This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the spring of 2023, we'll be studying chapters 12 through 21 of John. I'm Dwayne Recurry, your host, and Amber Vaden is with us as our co-host. For y'all who missed the uh, last two weeks or just didn't catch it, Amber is the new team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. And Amber, we are glad you are taking over those responsibilities. Well, thank you, Dwayne. It is good to be here. I appreciate the invitation and I am and the new the new role. Happy to be that. <laughs> and Mike Livingston is joining us as well today. Mike is one of the editors on the Explore the Bible team. So Mike, thank you for being with us as we look at session three. You're welcome. Always glad to do this. Here we are. We are looking at session three, which is John 13, 31 through 14, 6. Just a little background here. Uh, chapters 13 through 19 of John cover a 24-hour time period. So seven of the 21 chapters in John deal with just a 24-hour time period from the life of Jesus. Just that one 24-hour day slice is what we see in these seven chapters. And we're turning the page to those 24 hours. They end with the crucifixion of Jesus and him being put into the, 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 the tomb. And so they start, obviously they're in the upper room, the foot washing's already taken place, and then Jesus begins to teach his disciples. And that's what we're picking up here in verse 31 of chapter 13. And we've outlined these verses this way, honor through love, honor through loyalty, and honor through believing. That first section, honor through love, looks at verses 31 through 35 of John 13. Here's what we find is that after Judas left the Passover meal, Jesus addressed his disciples about his glorification. Jesus would glorify the father and the father would glorify the son through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus would be with the disciples for a brief time, knowing that he would be doing what only he could do. He then challenged disciples to love one another in the same way he had loved them. This love would serve as evidence that they were his disciples. The main point for us is that believers honor God by loving each other. The second point, honor through loyalty, looks at verses 36 through 38. In response to a question asked by Peter, Jesus told Peter he could not follow at this point, but that one day he would do so. Peter declared his willingness to follow Jesus even to death. Jesus questioned Peter and then told him that he would deny Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. The main point for us is that, is that we honor Christ by remaining loyal to him. The last section, which is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, we've entitled Honor Through Believing. What we find here is Jesus encouraged his disciples, challenging them to believe in the Father and in him. He promised a place for them in heaven and that he would come again to take them to that place that he was preparing for them. He then declared that they knew the way to where he was going. Thomas questioned Jesus about how they knew where Jesus was going. Jesus explained that he was the only path to the Father. The point for us is that believers honor Christ by believing in him 
as they wait for his return. Mike, a lot of issues for us to deal with here. Uh, the Bible skill for this particular lesson looks at John 13, 31 through 32, and the use of the terms glorify and glor uh, glory. We're encouraged to take a Bible dictionary or some other resource and to look at the difference between these two words and then lead in a conversation. Uh, can, can we talk about that some so we can help our listeners assist their group members in completing that Bible skill? Yeah, sure, we can. In the first two verses of this week's lesson passage, that word is used or a form of that word is used four times just in the first two verses, verses 31 and 32. But in the entire Gospel of John, you find a, a form of the word glory or glorify uh, 40, 42 times. At least you find the Greek word like 42 times in the Gospel. So what that tells us is this is a pretty important um, theme in in John's Gospel the glory of God. And uh, we, we could describe and talking about the glory of God. First of all, the glory of God could be described in, in two ways. Uh, one, it's an attribute of God. God's glory refer, refers to his character and his attributes, his holiness, greatness, power, majesty, and splendor and worth. Um, it's like Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. All right, so in, in one one aspect of that is it's it's an attribute of God, but then it's also um, the other way of looking at the glory of God is as it's it's talking about his a manifestation of his presence or a visible revelation of God. Like, for example, at Mount Sinai, when Israel was camped around the mountain, the glory of God came in the cloud and, and in the fire to speak with Moses or uh, God's presence in the tabernacle. And later in the temple is described in terms of his glory. The um, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And if you remember um, the story from is from First Samuel four when the Philistines captured the ark. Eli's mm -hmm. daughter-in-law named her child Ichabod. Mm -hmm. Means where's the glory? And it says. Uh, it says there, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured. Um, then you come, you, when we come to the gospel of John, though, the very first time you you see this word glory uh, in, in the gospel is in chapter one, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father. So Jesus was the new tabernacle for God's abiding glory. He is God with us. He was God made visible. Um, you, you may, some may remember going back last quarter, the first part of the gospel, John, we, we had some lessons on, on the signs, the miracles in John's gospel. Uh, the first one of those was the turning water into wine. So there uh, it, in John 2, 11, it says, Jesus did this. Uh, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, he revealed his glory. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And again, uh, when he heard that Lazarus had died, he said, what did he say? He said, this sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God, that the son of man, the son of God may be glorified through it. Um, but the most, uh, the, the, the glory of God is most supremely revealed in Jesus's crucifixion. 
on the cross. And and that's where we are in in this in this passage in this week's lesson. The pinnacle of God's revelation is self-revelation in which his glory was revealed was the cross. So on the cross is the ultimate display of of God's heart, God's love for sinners. This instrument of shame was the means by which God revealed his holiness and the depth of his glorious love for for sinners. Um, so in every every characteristic of God you could think of is on display at the mm -hmm. crucifixion. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. His holiness, his justice, his mercy, his grace, mm -hmm. uh, all those characteristics that we think of with how we define God are seen in the cross. Yeah. And his sovereignty. Uh yeah. The whole as we've been studying John, it's so clear that uh, Jesus was aware of what would happen and in control of of the events, even though perhaps the crowds thought they might have control. It it might appear that others in the in the text might have thought they had control, but it was so obvious that Jesus did. And so then when we get to the cross, it is such a symbol of of the Lord's sovereignty and God's sovereignty. Yeah. So on the one hand, when we talk about glory, the glory of God, we're talking about this, just the sum total of, of, of who God is. We're talking about his character and, and all the attributes of, of God that he has revealed to, to us, to man. But then I, th I think the original question we're in the Bible school, I think we're asked to, uh, to contrast or talk or, or look at the difference between glory and glorify glory as, as a noun and, and glorify as a verb. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the basic meaning of glory, the word glory is heavy, heavy in weight. Mm -hmm. And so to glorify as, as a verb to glorify, it means to give weight to, to one, to give weight or honor is another way of saying it, or to recognize the importance of, of another and to recognize the the weight that one carries so in, in in the sense of glorifying god is to recognize who he is uh uh rec is to recognize who he is and to respond according appropriately in in worship and praise for for who he is that's good that's so helpful mike thank you for unpacking that a little bit and giving some clarification mm -hmm. uh so in in verse 34, uh, Jesus says, I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Mm -hmm. Is this a new command? Hasn't uh, that been an expectation from from Old Testament times? There, there were several passages in Old Testament that say mm -hmm. to love one another. Yeah, like Leviticus 19:18, love your neighbor as yourself. So in, in that sense, it wasn't new because it was it was an old command that goes back to to the law. But there was something that Jesus added here. He says, love as as I have loved you. That's that's what makes it new. Um, love as I have loved you. Well, so the question is, how had Jesus loved them? John 13, 1, uh, it says Jesus loved them to the end. And that's that's an interesting um, an interesting phrase, interesting word that's that's used. Uh, he loved them to the end. Uh, it means, in, in you know, just in a chron chronological sense, he loved them all the way to the cross. He loved them to the cross. Mm -hmm. 
And he loved them also in the sense that his death on the cross was the ultimate expression of love. And, and to the end, that, that term or word, the end, can mean to the fullest measure. Or he loved them utterly. He loved them completely. So, it, it, I mean, we know that his, his death on the cross was a uh, it was a self-sacrificial, self-giving, selfless kind of love. It's it's the kind of love that had just revealed itself in washing his disciples' feet, and it was that love that ultimately, you know, led him to go to to the cross for us. Mm -hmm. So that kind of unconditional sacrificial love, that's the that's the newness here. That's the new standard. That's the the type of love that Jesus expects his disciples to have for each other. So yeah. it's no longer transactional in that mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. 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 He's going to say a couple chapters later, chapter 15, he's going to repeat this. Love one another as I have loved you. And he adds to that the next statement after that is no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends uh so he set he there set the the new standard for what love looks like mm -hmm. and uh he said this this is the kind of love that gives evidence that we are his disciples in verse 2 of chapter 14 uh, some translations say in my father's house are many mansions and some say dwelling places or rooms it all depends on the translation you're looking at. Yeah. Some may ask or argue about which of those words, mansion or dwelling place or room, is most accurate. How can we help our teachers, our listeners out there, prepare for that argument to come up mm -hmm. in the group time? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that's a good that's a good question. Be prepared for that. Um, it, the word that's used there is just it's a word that just means it's a place for one abides a place where one dwells and so you've mentioned some of the ways it's translated room or mansion or dwelling place in some translations it's dwelling place but it's, it's a word that just means a place where one stays a place where one dwells and th that word in it in this form in, in in a noun form it's only used two times in the whole new testament it's used here and then later in this chapter in chapter 14 verse 23 the same word is used again. And Jesus says there, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's the same word. We will make our home with him. And the, the meaning is, is um, it, 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 it suggests it's a, a place of permanence. It's a permanent place, a permanent residence. As far as, you know, which word best translates it, which which translation is best, room, dwelling place, or mansion, we, we can't, it's, it's, we can't read into this that you are going to have your mansion and I'm going to have my mansion and she's going to have her mansion. That's, that's the wrong way to, to read this. That's not what it's saying. The stress here is on, is two things. One, there's this permanent place that Jesus is preparing for us in the Father's house. It's the Father's house, and that's our home. That's That will be our permanent home. So this world is not our home. That's our home. So that's that's one idea, that that is our, our place of permanent residence. That's our real home. And the other 
the other thought in this word, the word that's used in, in many rooms, it means really, it means more than enough room hmm. that he he's preparing more than enough room for us. So it's not about the type of accommodations we're going to have in heaven. That's not what it's, it's not what it's talking about. And they I will know, be adequate. <laughs> yeah. It's more than adequate. And, and I know you know, there are the old gospel songs that a lot of a lot of you may know um, and remember. You know, like I'm I'm going to my mansion up in the sky. You know, we we sing. You know, where people used to sing about that. I'm sure they many still do about the mansions up in the sky. Um, but really, the emphasis here is not the kind of place where we're going to live in heaven. The focus is more on being where jesus is next verse 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 three if i go and prepare a place for you i'll come back and take you to myself so that where i am you may be also that's what's important mm -hmm. that's what makes heaven heaven it's not the type of accommodations we're going to have it's not how big our mansion is going to be uh it's being in the presence of jesus are we more excited about living in a mansion or being with jesus so the person who's more excited about having a mansion than about being with Jesus is not ready for heaven. So I, I, that's what that's what this is really about. I think that's so interesting, especially because the disciples had just spent all this time with him. And now he was saying uh, or he was trying to prepare them for the fact that he was leaving. But newsflash, I'm coming back. I mean, you know, I just would love to to know how they responded like what they were really thinking if they fully understood what that all meant um i mean i know what it means to us and we've had time to study it and it is um the sweetest sweetest promise and something to look forward to i uh, i would just love to know what they thought but yeah i think that's well, we have a clue of what they were thinking because thomas says we don't know where you're going how can we know <laughs> yeah. the way they, yeah. you've been with him for three years and you haven't figured it out we but we uh, we forget uh, that the, res the death, burial, and resurrection changes our perspective too. Yes, and it'll change Thomas's. You know how do you, how do we know the way? And Jesus responds by that classic passage: "I am the way, the truth, and the life." In fact, that's the key verse uh, on it. We've got a pack item, pack item six, that has the key verse, and it has that on it: "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Um, help us think through how those three things, the way, the truth, and the life relate to each other. Yeah, they all three equally describe Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. They they serve to equal, equally serve to describe who he is. But in this context, I think the word way predominates. I think that's the key word here in light of the conversation that's going on between him and the disciples. He has talked about a place and the way there. That's yeah. been the conversation. Yeah. There's a place and there's a way there. You know the way. So when in verse five, when G, when Thomas asked, how can we know the way? I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's asked. What is he asking or what what is he saying there? Like, can you can you draw us a map? Can you give us some specific directions on on the way there so we know exactly where you're you're going? 
And Jesus responds to that by saying that he himself is the way. So I think way is the is the predominant thought and truth and life explain how Jesus is the way. Yeah. He is the way because he is the truth and he is the life. And that explains why he is the the only way to the Father. And that is the sixth of the seven I am statements in John as well. Um, we'll look at the seventh one, I think, in a couple of weeks. But all of those together remind us that John's purpose in writing this gospel was to affirm and help everybody understand that Jesus is the Messiah, fully human and fully God, all at the same time. And something we don't fully understand, we accept it because that's what the Bible teaches. So it's important for us to keep that in mind. Uh, so originally our outlines did not include verses five and six, and we later added it. Uh, and this all happened um, prior to my joining the team. And so I can't answer this question, <laughs> you, but you love saying that, don't you? There, yeah. <laughs> uh, but can, can one of you uh, give some, give some thoughts on that? Why, why were those two verses added? Yeah. Um, we were kind of uh, scratching our heads uh, trying to figure out why originally we didn't have verses five and six in our outlines. Uh, and there's, there's, we can't come up with any good reason. It was just a huge, <laughs> huge oversight on our part. And when we realized it, it's like, okay, these, these are too important to leave out. We cannot leave out those verses. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you end in verse uh, four, uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, the way, you, you know, you know, the way to where he's going. But that left Thomas confused. Well, how can we know the way? Mm -hmm. So what Thomas asked there raises a really important question for us to talk about in this lesson is how can we know the way to God? We have to talk about that. And verse six makes that clear that he is the one and only way, that no one can come to the Father through him. And we realize that that is an audacious claim to make today, that, that Jesus is the only way to God may be the most controversial claim of Christianity mm -hmm. today. Because our society tells us, you know, every religion, every religious worldview uh, is is equally valid, equally acceptable. You know, religion is just, it's a matter of preference. You know, you have yours, I have mine, it's all good, we're all good. And, and you know, those who claim that we have to be tolerant of all truth claims are intolerant of, of this, of this exclusive claim of Christianity. And sadly enough, there are even significant numbers of people who identify themselves as Christians who believe there's more than one way to heaven. Mm -hmm. um there is there's a pack item that I, I would just mention call our attention to it's pack item 10 it's a handout um is jesus the only way really if you've got the pack i, I would encourage you to to make copies of that distribute that to your uh to your group it, it makes there's some really good thoughts in there some really good comments in in that handout it, it does talk about how Claiming today, claiming Jesus as the only way to God seems like, for many people, claiming chocolate ice cream is the one true flavor. I mean, it makes about as much sense to people as, as saying that, as that's the only true flavor. 
but we know and 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 this handout affirms as the scripture affirms that truth doesn't come down to preference because jesus is not just a flavor of ice cream mm -hmm. he's he's the only way because he's he's the only medicine that can cure the spiritual disease that infects us all and that is sin in fact jesus said he said earlier in chapter 8 verse 24 if you do not believe that i am he you will die in your sins and he's the only answer to that so this these two verses verse 6 especially is is too important today for us not to talk about yeah uh, lifeway research did uh, some study i guess it was released october november uh, but it, it it asked the question about how many folks believe Jesus was the only way in today's in the United States. And it was telling how many not just unchurched people, but church people yeah. um, believe that. And you can find that article at lifewayresearch.com. No spaces, just one word, Lifeway Research. And go there, find it and search for uh, beliefs. And you'll find that article. I believe it was in late October. And it can help you see some of those those statistics and the need to explore this further uh, with the people in our class. Any other key ideas or thoughts or tips that you might want to share with our listeners today, Amber or Mike? I would just encourage uh, group leaders to take a look at the blog posts found at goexplorethebible.com slash blog. Uh, every Thursday, a new post is added. Uh, these posts will help you better understand Explore the Bible resources, what you can find within those that will help you prepare to lead your Bible study group. It kind of gives some ideas of what's uh, of the components of each resource and how, how to best use it. Go explorethebible.com slash blog. Mike, thank you for being with us today. Uh, you always are a welcome guest and give great insight. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at session four. Tim Pollard will be joining us. We'll be looking at John chapter 14, verses 16 through 29. The title of that lesson is Peace I Leave. And the main point is that Jesus offers peace to those who trust in him.